The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right, it's unjust, and Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out, or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE, or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer, they will help you out. Hopeful? Are we allowed to use that word? I'm a little hopeful. I'm going to be bright and sunny tonight. Joe Biden, he's doing something different than Trump does, something we should appreciate more. And finally, a man with some serious skills. All that's coming up right now on I'm Right. Before we go into the updates on replacing that uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and I I don't want to say replacing her seat, filling her seat, because it's her seat, or it's not her seat is what I'm trying to say. Shut up. What I'm trying to say is this. (laughs) There's an open seat, and we have to replace it. And I'm getting hopeful. I I don't want to be hopeful. I want to be realistic and very, very few times should you look at D.C. and go, wow, that gives me hope. But I actually think we might be able to do it. I'll tell you why in a moment. Before we get to that, allow me to give you some hope about something else. Oftentimes when you go through hard things, miserable things, awful things, when you're in the middle of them, it seems like this is the end of the world. It seems like this has changed everything for the worse and everything sucks. And sometimes that's true. It's called marriage. I'll quit. We can make jokes. Sometimes, though, when you're far enough past it, you'll look back and see, man, there was actually a lot of benefit in that. Before we get to all the senators and politicians saying, oh, yeah, we're going to confirm a replacement. We're going to confirm a replacement. It's time to confirm a replacement. I was thinking back this morning about the Kavanaugh thing. Do you remember? That's, that's what's funny is, I guess I don't even have to ask. I know you remember. 
We all remember. It's one of those where were you win moments where if you're even vaguely interested in politics, you remember what it was like to watch Brett Kavanaugh go through that. You remember what it was like to watch maybe the biggest dork square in the history of mankind be turned into an alcoholic gang rapist by the Democrat Media Alliance. You remember what it was like to watch his wife sitting there watching it all, looking like she just wanted to die as the man she loves got turned into a monster. And I'll tell you why you remember. It's actually not because of Brett Kavanaugh. You remember because of you. I remember because of me. Because that was the moment where normal people, relatively normal people, we realized, man, that could be me. You get angry or you get sad, or you get happy for other people based on what you can personalize. That doesn't make you selfish, it makes you human. When something bad happens to a criminal somewhere, a a gangbanger in New York City, something happens to a gangbanger, gets shot. You read the headline, and and you scroll on past. You can't relate. Something happens to a suburban dude, works construction, that hits home a little more, doesn't it? That's you. That's me. You relate to that. So when you sat and watched a guy who hadn't done anything wrong, I mean nothing wrong, you watched that guy get turned into a monster by the left, it dawned on you, it dawned on me. There's nobody safe. They would come for you tomorrow if you stood in their way, and they would destroy you, and it doesn't matter what you did or didn't do. That's leftism. Again, not a political ideology, a religion of domination. That's what leftism is. Without a second thought, they would rip your life apart. Death threats to you, your wife, your daughter, your boss get you fired, and they would laugh while they did it. And the Brett Kavanaugh thing, it showed you that. It showed me that. And while it was horrible to watch, and you don't like that there are people out there, aren't you better off knowing that that's what the left is? I love when the enemy shows what they are. If there's some gigantic flesh-eating monster living in my backyard, I'd rather know. Wouldn't you rather know? I mean, in a perfect world, there'd be no flesh-eating monster, but... In the real world, if he's there, I want to know he's there. I want to know what the left is. It's why I always show you these videos when they're saying time after time after time these horrendous things and these violent things. It's not because I want to scare you. I want to remind you. I want to remind myself that's who these people are. They will come for you without hesitation. You should see my, you should see my email inbox. Whew. You want to take a walk through the uh, horror section without a second thought. doesn't bother me a bit. That's who they are. And on to our good news of the day. You know I've been pessimistic, relatively pessimistic, that the Senate will confirm whoever Donald Trump nominates. I remain pessimistic a little, but I'm hearing language that's giving me hope. We even have people like Jellyfish Mitt Romney saying, all right, I'll vote for whoever. He didn't say he'll vote yes or no. He just said, all right, I'm going to participate in the vote. We have people like Lindsey Graham stepping up and saying this. I've seen this movie before. It's not going to work. It didn't work with Kavanaugh. We've got the votes to confirm uh, Justice Ginsburg replacement before the election. We're going to move forward in the committee. We're going to report the nomination out of the committee to the floor of the United States Senate so we can vote before the election. That's the constitutional process. Does that give you hope? It gave me a little. I know. Look, I know what you're saying. It's Lindsey Graham. He said all this stuff about subpoena and Comey and all these other things that nobody's ever done. I, I understand. I understand. There's a lot of Lindsey Graham that's all hat and no cattle, if you will. However, you stand up and say we already have the votes they might already have the votes. And what I think happened there 
and you've heard various senators mention it since, I think that whole Kavanaugh disaster we were just talking about, I think maybe it woke up some of these spineless Republicans in D.C. too. I think they know now. These people are animals. Ignore it. I think going through that, watching the left unite the way they did, trying to tear that man down and destroy him, I think maybe it helped unify the Republican Party into a party that, while obviously we have our weaklings, at least it's a party that realizes uh, we better join together or we're going to die. There's nothing that helps unity better than necessity. Nothing. And to take on the leftist hordes, you got to stick together. Schumer, Schumer's digging in for a hard fight. If you care about these things and the kind of country we live in, this election and this vacancy mean everything. And by all rights, by every modicum of decency and honor, Leader McConnell and the Republican Senate majority have no right to fill it. No right. I don't generally care what Chuck Schumer says. He's always saying something idiotic out there. But I do think we need to pay more attention to the things these people say. Not because Chuck Schumer actually is some leader in the Democratic Party, but he is powerful. And the Democratic base, they believe their leadership when they're always saying these things. There is a cost to the rhetoric you repeat over and over and over again. This is the end of the world. He's a Nazi. We have concentration camps on the border. There's no right. You have no right for this. We're dealing with insane people. And when you're dealing with an insane base, as the left is, they hear things like that, and you know what they think to themselves? They think it gives them a right to do certain things. I said this before. I'll say it again. I genuinely mean it. I am concerned about the safety, the physical well-being of whoever Donald Trump nominates. I am greatly concerned. We have now four years of not just the Kavanaugh stuff. We have four years of violence directed at anybody associated with Donald Trump. Lots of it. It is spread across this country like wildfire. The media has either completely ignored it or when they do cover it, they give tacit approval to it. And we've had four years of Trump's Hitler, Donald Trump's Hitler. These are the Nazis. This is the end of America. Nazi this, Nazi that, concentration camp this. And you're feeding this language into the mind of violent, insane people. You may look at, let's say it's this Amy Coney Barrett lady. You may look at her and think to yourself, that's an awful judge. You may look at her and say, that's a great judge. Whatever you think about her, but you do need to understand You pour rhetoric like this into the ear of a violent, insane person, eventually they're going to look at that lady like the Antichrist, and I am worried about her safety. Legit. Keep that lady in your prayers. Mitch McConnell, to his credit, and you know I'm more than willing to be hard on the Senate Majority Leader, but Mitch McConnell has been dynamite when it comes to filling every single empty space in the, judici- in the judiciary with our kind of people. And Mitch McConnell seems like he's not wavering off that one bit, and he's ready for what's to come. President Trump's nominee for this vacancy will receive a vote on the floor of the Senate. Now, already, some of the same individuals who tried every conceivable dirty trick to obstruct Justice Gorsuch and Justice Kavanaugh are lining up, lining up to proclaim the third time will be the charm. He's right. And here's the thing, though. I'm not really worried about Mitch McConnell and how he's going to vote. Remember, we only need a few votes to waver and we're done. I'm not worried about Mitch McConnell. I'm worried about all of our weaklings. we got about four or five of them there. You know who they are. You know the names. I'm very worried about them. And I know what you're going to say, Jesse, but they're all coming out to say it today and saying they're going to vote. They're going to vote one way or the other. One, we don't have any idea whether they're going to vote yes or no yet. And two, you ever been to a theme park with a little kid? I've got kids. You ever been to one? 
Especially boys. You know what boys are like. Dad, I'm ready to ride that roller coaster. I'm not scared. Dad, I'm ready. And you look over about 30 seconds into the ride and he's green and getting ready to blow chunks all over the poor people down below. It's one thing to say you're ready. It's one thing to have Mitt Romney coming out here. Oh, I'm just going to, we're going to do the right thing. Do you remember last time? Do you remember watching Jeff Flake pee himself in the elevator as some activist harpy screamed at him? He looked like he wanted to die. It was pathetic. It's easy to say right now, you're ready. You're totally ready. You have any idea how many dirty tricks Democrats are going to pull out between now and then? How many authentic-looking stories they're going to have run in every single major news outlet in this country? How many microphones are going to be stuffed in spineless Mitt Romney's face asking him, Do you, what are your thoughts on the latest accusations that, uh, uh, that Amy Coney Barrett's actually a serial killer? It's coming. They all say they're ready for the ride now. We'll see what happens when it starts going up and down. Trump had this to say about the dying wish thing. I don't know that she said that, or was that written out by Adam Schiff and Schumer and Pelosi. I I would be more inclined to the second. Okay, you know, that came out of the wind. It sounds so beautiful. But that sounds like a Schumer deal, or maybe a Pelosi or or Shifty Schiff. So that came out of the wind. Let's see. I mean, maybe she did, and maybe she did. Yeah, maybe she did, maybe she didn't. And another thing on that. Ginsburg had left a dying wish that anyone other than Trump replace her. Again, whether that's true or not, who cares? It's not up to her. It's not her seat. Rest in peace, God rest her soul, so on and so forth. But these people get in there and they feel this sense of entitlement that just blows me away. Lady, you were allowed, wrongly, to stick around until you were 20,000 years old. You don't now have some claim to the seat because you'd never freaking leave. That doesn't make you a a Supreme Court justice. That makes you a squatter. Don't give me that crap. And Adam Schiff had this to say in response to what Trump said. Quote, Mr. President, this is low even for you. No, I didn't write Ruth Bader Ginsburg's dying wish to a nation she served so well and spent her whole life making a more perfect union. But I am going to fight like hell to make sure it come true. No confirmation before nomination. Schiff is one of those guys. He's so slimy. Is this weird? I kind of admire it. I know, I know, that's a sickness. You know me, I miss the Clintons. I like good bad guys. Schiff is such a spineless little weasel. It's kind of cool. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Now, you know what else should make you uncomfortable? That cybercrime has gone up 75% since the beginning of all this coronavirus lockdown stuff. 75%. The FBI is completely overwhelmed. Local law enforcement is it well. It's so hard for them to get their arms around this stuff. And the problem with home title theft is you won't know. You won't know. You might already, as you sit there right now, there's a chance you might already be a victim of it, and you have no idea. Unless you go to HomeTitleLock.com right now and register your address. That's the only way you can know. And you really can't protect yourself. They don't know how to stop these guys from hacking in and getting them. It's just easy for them. So, what do you think you should do? You know, go to HomeTitleLock.com. Look, if you use the promo code JESSE, you get 30 days for free. Go to HomeTitleLock.com right now. Protect yourself. Don't get wiped out. We'll be back. Trump's having rallies. Remember what, remember what I told you? You know how often I love to be right. I mean, I love it so much, that's what I named the show. I told you, just pay attention to where the rallies are going to be from now on. Don't, don't worry about what the candidates are saying. Where they have rallies, where they have these political events, tells you everything you need to know. And Donald Trump, as he did before, he's doing it so smartly. While Hillary Clinton was doing her little sit-downs on The View last time, Donald Trump was holding rallies, big ones, 
in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Florida, hammering that Rust Belt, hammering that Rust Belt, and hammering that Rust Belt some more because remember this, and this is a bitter pill to swallow sometimes for you and I. We love to think ourselves as important, and you are important in the way that, you know, every, every society needs its shock troop freedom fighters. That's you. But sadly, the election in November will not be decided by you or I. Oh, we can help along, but it's swing voters, voters who can go either way, voters who voted for Obama and then turn around and voted for Donald Trump. And it's not just swing voters anywhere. It's swing voters in that Rust Belt. People who can go either way, specifically in North Carolina, Ohio, Florida, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. These are the people who are going to determine who the next president of the United States is. And that's why when Donald Trump is holding big rallies and there's excitement in the air in these places, it does matter. And Donald Trump in rally mode, dude's pretty good. But we're here today to talk about jobs. We're talking about jobs, a very favorite subject of mine to know and to understand that uh, the choice in November is going to be very simple. There's never been a time where there's such a difference. One is probably communism. I don't know. They keep saying socialism. I think they're gone. They've gone over that one. That one's passed already. That's a very effective line. I don't, no, don't get me wrong. I think a lot of people, they kind of roll their eyes now when they hear communism or socialism. But I think pointing out the radicalization of the Democratic Party is an effective line. It's not that I believe the country is right or even center right anymore. I don't believe that. I believe our American commie education system has probably ruined that. I think the country's kind of blah, for lack of a better way to put it. I'm not really sure either way. But I do think there's this aversion to how gross the left really is. I do think these Antifa, Black Lives Matter, violent riots, I think they hurt the left. I think they hurt them badly. I think normal people, those Rust Belt swing voters, turn on the television set and see them lighting things on fire in Wisconsin and say, ugh, these people kind of suck. So I think you'll see a lot more Donald Trump pointing out that radicalization between now and Election Day. But all that aside, I did want to say one thing about Donald Trump. I saw Joe Biden sit down, and it made me think about Trump some more. Be your first choice, and who's on that list? It is my first choice. I have a number of people on that list, but it is inappropriate for me to name that list for three reasons. As a constitutional matter... You should not be, because some of these people are on the court. If I name the list, it puts them in a very difficult position, because then any judgment they make about how they rule will be put in, in limbo. That is, did they make that judgment because they're on the list, number one. Number two, it will allow them to be the target of all the vitriol or all the examination that occurs between now and the end of January without any way to defend themselves. And number three, what he's doing here is trying to change the subject. <laughs> he wants the discussion about what I, who I would appoint. Should voters that, know? Should voters me? know who you're going to appoint? No, they don't, but they will if I'm elected. No, they don't. That's interesting, isn't it? No, 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 no. You don't. You don't need to know who I'm going to put on the most powerful court in the land. No, you don't. I'll let you know whenever I get there. Don't worry about it. What? And it did make me think about Trump. And look, you've heard me yell about this before. I actually don't love this about him. Donald Trump is absurdly transparent. How many times do you see cameras in Donald Trump's face? It seems like he does them every day walking to and from that helicopter, press conferences, sitting down with openly hostile people like Bob Woodward, sitting down for hours on end, George Stephanopoulos, Chris Wallace. Donald Trump did an extended interview with Chris Wallace. Love Chris Wallace or hate Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace hates Donald Trump's guts and destroys him every single day on his show. Donald Trump, yeah, Chris wants to sit down, sit down, I'll do it. Donald Trump, before the 2016 election, put out a list of his potential justices. What you're not appreciating, and honestly, what I don't appreciate enough about Donald Trump's presidency, one, the foreign policy, which has been absurdly good, two, the transparency. 
abnormally transparent. The dude is an open book. Oh, you don't like my phone call with Ukraine? Boom, next day, here's the transcript. And of course, they still impeached him over the whole thing. He didn't hide from it. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that phone call. Would you like to see? There it is. Released it out to the public. Kind of cool. Appreciate that. Because a secretive administration, I can go south pretty quickly. Joe Biden out here still on his sharp game for the presidential debate coming up in a week. America, I pledge allegiance to the United States of America. One nation. Indivisible under God for real. For real? I... We can't do this. We can't do this. All right. You need to practice with your weapon. How many times have you heard me say that to you? A lot. You're going to hear me say it a lot. You need to practice with your weapon. And I know it's an obligation to go to the gun range. And I know the last thing in the world you need in your life is yet another obligation because that day gets there. It's, it's gun range day. And you think, you know what? Not today. I'll go next week. I know. I've been there. I've done it a million times. I target make sure there are no more excuses. I target is one, it's an app you put on your phone and they send you this little target. And I know what you're thinking. Wait, wait, what are you talking about? Oh, it gets better. They have all the major calibers. And, you know, they've got 556 five, if you want 556. Five, and you set up this little target in your home and you take this little round they send you that has a laser coming out of it and it works in conjunction with the app and you sit in the comfort of your home and practice with your weapon. That is awesome. That's modern technology working for you. You don't have any more excuses. You don't have to leave the heat. You don't have to leave the air conditioning. Go get you one today. Go to itargetpro.com. That's itargetpro.com. Do not forget to use the promo code JESSE. Save yourself a bunch of money itargetpro.com you got to protect yourself these days we'll be back joining me now from man or as he calls it the media action network ken the court ken I, I look i hate to sound like you right off the bat because you're gonna think i'm paying you a compliment i'm almost starting to get a little optimistic that we might actually get this nominee through i mean i i just naturally assume that four or five republican weenies are gonna falter in the end and i'm not saying that won't happen but there's a lot of tough talk right now they look like they have the votes you know what i was uh, i was surprised look we're all talking about romney aren't we i was surprised to see him come out and see and 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 get that Republicans have three votes to lose, and uh, right now, you know, the, the gals, you know, Maine and Alaska, they're they're saying things, but but they're not really necessarily drawing a hard line in the sand that it looks like. So I think that there's a decent chance of it. I, I agree with you completely. Who are we? Con All right, let's assume, and I'm already assuming that Collins. You're talking about Collins and Murkowski, everybody. Mm -hmm. Murkowski, Alaska, Collins, Maine. Call. Let's assume Collins and Murkowski are gone. I'll rely on single ply toilet paper before I re rely on Lisa Murkowski. <laughs> let's assume they're gone. Who's the third and fourth one we're worried about? Who are those guys we're looking at? Obviously, Romney's on that list. Who else is on that list, Ken? Well, again, Romney came out today and said that 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 he would he would put a vote up before the election. So that was a he good sign. He said he sign. would put Look, a vote I, up. He didn't say what it would be. Yes, but but that implies that he would give a fair vote to somebody he 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 likes. So look, I don't I, I don't I don't go dividing these people up by all that small. I think I think with that, I think with the there's not a hard look. What what they did was smart. Uh, um, um, you know, people yelled it at Mitch McConnell for doing it so quickly. But by doing it so quickly, he got the debate off the table. So it was like, you know, she they had announced she was dead and he was like, oh, we love her. We're gonna fill this vacancy. And Trump came out the next day and said the same thing. So there, that, there's really no debate going on in America all that much, should they fill it, should they not. You got the caterwauling from the Democrats, but you were gonna get that no matter what. You know, now now they're you know, they tried to do the threat and maybe they can move forward on this. Hey, we can win all everything next next time and we'll add in. I mean, you literally had Eric Holder say that that they should start to pack the court. And uh, that, you know, I tell you, these people do not like to lose. And when they lose, they want to change the rules. 
Um, you know, I mean, the, the people who are still campaigning against now the the Electoral College, and now you have a former Attorney General and and a some sitting senators saying, "Let's pack the Supreme Court." That's um, whew, glad they're not in power. Ken, you can make the argument, and I've probably made this exact argument. I don't know. I've made so many great ones that the Kavanaugh show trial thing really, really further the divide in America badly. It woke people up on the right that they will destroy you no matter what, even if you're the big dork like Kavanaugh was. And it made the left think that people on the right are happy to nominate a gang rapist. It just, it just, it forced us more this way. But can you also make the argument it was maybe a benefit because it woke people up on the right to what the left actually is and maybe even some GOP senators finally realized uh, these people are scum. Um, I, I think it did. It was an overreach. Look, I live up in Napa Valley. I live. I I can see the Golden Gate Bridge and San Francisco from my home. And even people here during that Kavanaugh were like, "Ooh, that, yeah, it doesn't." You know, you know, look. Let's be honest. He was accused of dry humping a girl in high school, you know, 40 years ago. And for that to have gone so central to that did wake up some people. Now, did they go around and vote Republican? No. Did it? Did that really turn into votes in the midterm election? Probably not. Maybe that had maybe that had an impact in a, in a couple Senate campaigns, and maybe the Democrats would have done better in and you know let's not forget they they had no pickups in an in in the Senate, in a year where they had a lot of a lot of other pickups and it and it was an unpopular uh, Republican year. So you know anytime your political opponent overreaches, I, I think you get some sympathy for it. Now some will see that with with the Republicans here, but look anybody who's who knows who the Supreme Court justices are, they were already going to vote and they're already going to know who they vote for. So so America's kind of reaching for that middle when you're looking at that last 2 or 3% who might come over one way or the other, I think. Okay, so how does it change when Democrats take this back? We all know the pendulum swings. Now, I don't think Joe Biden's going to win at this moment, but he certainly could. But one day we're going to have a Democrat president again. I always argue that we should pay a lot more attention when the left makes threats because they actually follow through on theirs. Do you think they really go through with expanding the Supreme Court if there's a heavy conservative balance on it? I think that that would be a politically dangerous move for them. I, I don't, how do I say? So I, I, I think that the filibuster would probably be out the window. I think that the majority majority rules would probably take over. We've seen that slide. I mean, the, the, it was it was certainly Harry Reid in 2013 who made the decision. We can't get these judges through. We're going to have to go to 50, 50, even if the Republicans come and do the same thing to us. I think he actually understood that that would happen. Um, he's like, well, I'm not sure we're going to do it on the Supreme Court, but I think he was so frustrated by by not being able to get judges in that he took that into account. Plus, he was 400 years old, and, and you know, who cares what happens after you're gone? And um, But I, I think it would be a very dangerous move for them and probably fall in its face. Um, um, and, you know, I was actually trying to look up the constitutionality of it. No one's really talked about this. This this isn't something that's popped up to to the Supreme Court really in anybody's lifetime here. It was it was politics that made Roosevelt. Look, Roosevelt had just won an election with 60% of the vote. Roosevelt had comfortably both houses, and he tried this game and he got smacked in his head. Why did they overreach so bad on Kavanaugh? Why did they overreach so bad on the filibuster? I, I ask this because I've, I've been really fascinated by the speed with which the left has gone all in. And it's, it's happened in my lifetime, and I'm not like you. I'm not even that old. I don't understand how it happened so fast. Was it Obama? What was it? What, what happened? What did I miss? Well, I mean, some of it, you know, some things go slow until they're fast. Uh, uh, again, it's like Harry Reid made a calculated decision. He was like, look, these guys aren't, they're not, they're not letting any of my judges in. So, so uh, and and there was a backlog of judges, and Republicans were playing pretty hardball. And he just made a calculated decision that that going to a 50 vote, 51 vote vote rule for judges just made sense in the long term. Um, but you know, look, when when people start to lose power, they 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 often flail about. Um, um, and and Donald Trump has had, I mean, you know, one of the greatest things that Donald Trump does is he drives his opponents insane. 
I mean, you know, Reagan reached out across the aisle. Obama, you know, you get frustrated just because he was too cool smoking French cigarettes. I mean, you know, you knew the kid in college, right? Uh, but 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 Trump does things that literally makes their heads explode, and it's uh, it's uh, it's kind of fun to watch. What does he do? I, I, I've, try, I've tried to figure this out, too. I can't figure out if it's his style. Is it he's more than willing to talk about things they don't want spoken? What, what is it that Trump does that really does? It, it has turned even some normal people into absolute nutballs. What is it? Well, he calls people names. Um, um, he mocks the, you know, don't you remember when he was running, when, when he was in the GOP primary and he put out a picture of his wife and compared her to the looks of some of his opponents' wives? <laughs> when he, you know, I mean, sweaty Jeb and lazy Joe. And sweaty Jeb. I mean, so, so it's like, you know, he talks like a high school kid sometimes. Uh, he doesn't back down. You know, he would look, and here's the thing that he's done. I mean, that's all kind of fun stuff, but where he's done a lot for our democracy is all the other guys back down when they were called an ist or an ism. You're a racist. And oh my God, you called me a racist. And he'd be like, no, you're a racist, Whitey Joe. And then they, and then they, they, they'd, uh, they'd lose their brains a little bit. So, so I think it's his, his, his confidence, his sometimes childish behavior and his just kind of like, God, I hate to say it, but it's like retard type strength. I mean, you know, <laughs> that that things bounce off of him because because you know the things that politically he took on would have wiped. I mean, how many times four years ago did you have somebody call you up and say, well, the campaign's over. He's got to apologize. He's got to stop running. Uh, a, a tape came out, or he mocked somebody this or that, and and he just it bounces off of him because he's got a confidence going along with that, and he's got other ways to reach the American people from Twitter and 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 talking like the American people sometimes. Tim LaCourt, Media Action Network. Thank you, my friend. That was awesome. Good to be here. Thanks, Jesse. Have you used your grill gun yet? Why haven't you gotten your grill gun from Grill Blazer yet? You have to get one of these daggone things. All right, setting aside the outside one. You already know how much I love... I keep calling it the outside one. I guess you can use the inside one anywhere you want. But you know I love the, the one that allows you to light your grill, light your fireplace, light your campfire with ease, and clean it with ease. It's even the little grimy grease spots underneath the lid of your grill that you know you've been ignoring. You can just hose those suckers down with it. It's awesome. It's kind of gross. Believe me, you'll enjoy it. But the one that allows you to sear the meat, that's a really cool thing, especially because I have been unable to this point to find a way to sear meat in the little frying pan in a way that does not make a gigantic mess. I put in the oil, I put in the butter, I put the meat in, and all of a sudden my house is just slick with grease. Not anymore. Go to grillblazer.com right now, use the code JESSE, save yourself some money, and get one. grillblazer.com, promo code JESSE. We'll be back. Joining me now, the senior policy analyst for the Independent Women's Forum, as she has so many times before, Inez Stepman. Inez, what's your take on roller coasters? Are you a roller coaster lady or not? <laughs> I love this show. Um, I, I like roller coasters all right. I mean, I wouldn't say they're in my, my top favorite things to do, but what I, what I will tell you is I would not go to Disneyland even if they paid me. So... Well, I, I don't understand. Is that, are you anti-kid? Is that the presence of kid? Is that anti-Disney? What's wrong with Disney? I've been to Disney World. Any place where, like, everybody is packed in and shoving you, even in, in non-pandemic times and waiting for three hours. I don't mind the roller coaster itself. I just, I, I don't like everything that goes along with the roller coaster. And as you understand, it's not a Black Lives Matter rally. It's just Disney, right? There's not fist fights as you wait in line to get on the rise. I don't know about that. I think <laughs> yeah. I some folks in Disney would disagree with you on that one. That's, that's a good point. All right, all right. In all seriousness, I saw this headline and I immediately thought of you and I told the production staff we got we to gotta get Inez on. There's this headline on a Daily Wire. It says, Elite Private Schools in L.A. rolls out new anti-racism policies. Some students, parents, and alumni aren't thrilled. Inez, one, it's not exactly new. I feel like there's a lot of thinking with parents out there that know now who think 
the public schools are bad and all private schools are good. Well, as you well know, public schools are bad. They suck. I hate them. But pri- that doesn't make private schools good lots of the time. That's certainly true. I think the big difference is not so much whether this this woke stuff uh, has invaded everything, as, as it has. Uh, as, as we know that every institution, right, the Fortune 500 companies, uh, you know, Hollywood, obviously, uh, you know, sports, everything is getting invaded by this, this woke ideology. So it's not that private schools are exempt from that. The difference is that in a private school, of course, um, there are parents paying tuition. Uh, and, and so if enough parents decide that they don't like the direction of the school, at the very least, there is some control there, which doesn't exist with the, the public schools, right? Um, and, and indeed, what you're seeing here is a bunch of parents getting together behind the scenes and starting to you know, um, uh, tally up different examples of how the school is getting destroyed by this wokest ideology. And we'll see if they can get enough folks to then you know, try to put pressure on the administration. And ultimately, they can just stop paying the $50,000 a year to attend this school. It is. Have we reached a a moment in America that's actually beneficial, this moment where parents are either educating their kids at home and finding out they can do it, or two, really discovering how disgusting our school system is and how we're raising a bunch of kids who hate the country and they're finally waking up to it? Can you make the argument that what we've seen recently is actually beneficial to us because people now know, wow, government schools suck? Absolutely. I think one of the silver linings of of this whole uh, disaster in in the schools and the fights over closure or reopening, one of the things that has become really clear is that the voices of parents in schools are considered little little more than an annoyance a lot of the time. There is very little good faith negotiation between the priorities of parents and the priorities of administrators and teachers unions. Uh, The latter just took dominance without question, right? Um, And the other thing is, because a lot of these classes are now uh, taking place in people's living rooms as they did uh, last spring, we're seeing a lot of parents for the first time actually see what their kids are learning. And you're seeing the schools try to fight back against that effect by discouraging parents from leaving and and, uh, joining up with with pandemic pods or homeschooling their kids. Um, And you're also seeing them try to prevent parents from actually seeing the teaching material. Um, They're very open about this. They're sending home, you know, documents to families saying, you know, oh, this is this is proprietary material. You can't see what your kid is learning. I mean, I don't know what is a more transparent admission of the fact that they're indoctrinating children in those schools than the fact that they don't want their parents to know what they're teaching. but this is, this is uh, I think, a really actually a good point, this transparency issue. Um, I absolutely think this is something that legislatures in the states should be looking into. We should be posting, just like most universities do, post syllabi online, they post materials online. Um, it should be very easy for parents, before they make the decision to enroll in any school, to look up what is actually being taught in that school and what their kids should learn. So we have a petition actually over at IWF.org Um, for parents to sign to to go ahead and encourage that kind of legislation that forces schools to be transparent about what they teach. I mean, what could be more basic than that? What's your take on this 1776 commission Trump's talking about? Or for those that that don't remember, Donald Trump's talking about a 1776 commission to counter this disgusting 1619 project. It's a commission, so don't get your hopes up, but it's something that's going to encourage patriotism being taught in schools. I saw, of course, some weenie libertarian types. We're very uncomfortable with that. But I, look, I, I think it's a lot better to raise generations of patriots than people who hate the country. What's the Inez take on it? So I, I, I'm against a national curriculum, but that's that's not what this is, right? Um, this, this is a commission to develop um, various materials that could be used or not voluntarily by schools across the country. So I, I don't think there there's much of a case for federal overreach here, um, certainly in comparison to the things the left has done uh, in, in recent years with the Department of Education and with the uh, National Endowment of the Humanities, which is actually where this, this is going through. Um, But I I think what it does demonstrate is that President Trump is very focused on this issue in a way that a lot of Republicans are not. And I think that that is all to the good. Um, We have ignored this issue for far too long. Jesse, I know you talk a lot about this issue. Obviously, I focus on it in my work. The entire purpose of having a public school system when we decided to start investing public money in all Americans' K-12 education was to go ahead and and, um, rear citizens capable of self-government. And that means a patriotic education. 
That doesn't mean indoctrination. It doesn't mean that, you know, you never teach about the, the black marks of the country's history. Absolutely not. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with understanding the American system, understanding your constitution, understanding the Declaration of Independence and the principles this country was based on before you then go out and become a citizen and a participant in a republic. And that's what a patriotic education is. And that's the entire purpose of the $700 billion a year we spend every every year on K-12 education. So I, I absolutely don't think that this is something scary or, or that um, a patriotic uh, education is equivalent to indoctrination. But what is indoctrination is what we're seeing going on in the schools right now. And as, isn't it all indoctrination? I mean, we all use that word. I've used it 10 trillion times when I talk about what the left does to the kids. But look, if you're taking a child and putting them through seven hours of anything in a given day, whether it be kickball or algebra or commie propaganda or freedom stuff, isn't it all on some level indoctrination? Um, I do think there's a separation between education and indoctrination, and it, it has to do with how heavy-handed and, and whether or not, you know, dissenting views are allowed or critical thinking is allowed. But I do think that you are correct to say that you cannot separate separate education from values, right? You cannot separate education entirely from character formation, from morality, from values. That is all absolutely true, which is why... One, it's so important to, to look at the values being taught in the public school system and how different they are from many families' memories of, you know, let's say going through public schools 20, 30, 40 years ago. Um, and it's important then, especially as we are a, a quite divided country, as you often point out, it's really important to then not cede the fact that this $700 billion investment should come in only on the side of one, one team of the culture wars, right? Only on the side of some values and not other Americans' values, uh, which is why I think that this money should follow the child. This money should be directed by the family to an educational experience that actually supports the values that family wants to teach in their own home. Uh, what we're seeing right now is that public investment is all on one side, and we're, treat, we're supposed to like just accept that and treat it as though you know, that's the quote unquote neutral. It's not neutral. There is no such thing as a values neutral education. So what we have to do then is is make sure that families are making those decisions instead of administrators and definitely instead of, you know, sort of woke academics writing six, the 1619 project, right? Do you think I would look good in glasses? I feel like my eyes are starting to go. Um, you know what? I think glasses look good on, on most people. But, uh, you know, I think with you, the key will be actually just to wear sunglasses all the time on your show. Because, <laughs> you know, it'll go with the V-neck thing that you've got going on, those V-neck T-shirts, sunglasses and yes. V-neck T-shirts. The sun never sets on that. That's exactly right. All right. Finally, kind of a, from a macro level, did we get education wrong in this country? And this is what I mean. I've got a sixth grader right now, not in a government school. But he gets home from school and sits down for two, three hours a night doing homework. Now, granted, I'm as anti-school as they come. As you may imagine, I wasn't that great at it. But I don't like school anyway. Am I just biased because I hate school? But I look at that and I think that's a freaking 11-year-old boy. Is that really healthy, reading, writing, and arithmetic for seven, eight hours a day and then come home and sit down and do it for another two or three? I don't like it. Um, so what, what I do think is that this system is not designed to be efficient in terms of or individual and in how it delivers that knowledge. Right. So it kind of has to be this grind, um, whereas most homeschooling families, for example, find that they get through the same amount of academic material in two or three hours a day that a school does in seven or eight. And it's not because like. You know, every parent is such a genius uh, teacher or something like that. There's it's two very simple factors. One, you actually know your kids better than anyone else. So you know what they need to focus on and you know what they've mastered and you're not balancing those needs against 29 other kids in the class, right? And, and second, even more importantly, right? You can just go straight um, at the academic things that you need, that kid needs. Um, and, and you don't have to waste time with, with the commute, with the switching classes, with the, you know, back and forth and balancing about, you know, uh, class discipline and all those things. So many, many families find that that, that is um, not necessary, that all that time is not necessary to impart the knowledge that you can usually do one on one or with your family or with a few other families in a matter of several hours a day and then have a lot more time for kids to be outside and play and interact with each other and interact with their families. So um, it's definitely not a requirement that school has to be eight hours a day. Inez Stepman, thank you, ma'am. Thank you.
All right. We're not done yet. Hang on. All right, just watch the video, because I have something we all need to hear. Go. Okay, one, that's really, 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 really impressive. Two, I don't know about grown men on bicycles. Am I allowed to say that? I'll be honest. Now, maybe this is just a bias on my part, but you know what it's like. You're driving, trying to get to work, and there's a group of these people. They always have to group up. You know, they're like antelope. They group up on the highway, and they just spread out, all of them driving about 10 miles an hour, jacking up traffic for everybody. Every one of them has the Tour de France stuff on, as if they're Lance Armstrong. Do I sound bitter? Maybe a little? I am. Either way, that's really impressive. I'll see you tomorrow. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps. And then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.